Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Are you ready for the word this morning? You can turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter. That's going to be the first passage of Scripture that I'll be in. It'll be our text to start off. But I just want to say this going into a reflection on last week. I want to make a reflection on last week. Uh, Last week, the message was, who do you know? Do you know the I was or the I am? Do you know the I was or the I am? Do you know the past tense is a historical Jesus? Or do you know the present tense uh, that he's personal in your life? And here's the reality of your knowing him and which one you know, it's reflected in your testimony. Listen to me, it's reflecting testimony. If your testimony is only what he did and not what he's doing, you know the I was and not the I am. Come on, think about that. Why is offended about half the crowd? Three quarters of it. It's no offense whatsoever. Salvation is not a, it's not a, it's a process. It's not just a destination. It's it's a life that we live. Jesus said, those who do the will of God abide forever. It says that God works in us to do his will in his good pleasure. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? Well, let me ask you this. When the Bible goes against your lifestyle or your opinion, who wins? I said, when the Bible goes against your lifestyle, doesn't line up with your lifestyle or your opinion, who wins? Who wins? It's a lifestyle that we're called to live. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, we'll say the Bible thing in just a second. Therefore, beloved, I want you to know something. You're being loved. You are being loved right now. The Word of God loves you because the Word of God is Jesus. God loves you because God is love. Are you with me? Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, what he had just shared with them was about the the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord coming, and, and we need to refresh and remind ourselves, and we need to become much more aware and alert. Everything you're going through compares and pales in the aspect of the return of Jesus Christ. He will not fail you. Matter of fact, it's very audacious, bodacious. It's a very uh, prideful to anybody to think, to even have the thought that he would not be faithful to you, that all of a sudden, out of all these years of generations, that he would stop and say, nope, today I'm not going to be faithful to you. That's pretty bodacious to think that you would single out. Matter of fact, right now, living right now, Right now living, there's over 8 billion people, closer to 9 billion people on planet Earth right now, and that he would stop with you? I don't think so. I just don't think so. And and might I add also, out of the 8 billion plus people living today, they were all born through a woman. Isn't it amazing what you don't think about? Isn't it amazing how the enemy tries to twist your brain and your thoughts. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, the return of Jesus. Are you looking forward to the return of Jesus? Be diligent to be found 
by him in peace. I find a lot of Christians today, this is reading text, and I'm not supposed to be preaching this right now, but I find a lot of Christians today have no diligence to know him whatsoever. They're totally satisfied with something that took place 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 50 years ago. But the Bible says that we ought to be diligent to be found in him. Matter of fact, when he comes back, we must be in him. I find a lot of Christianity, a lot of Christianity, that they're not even in Christianity, let alone in Christ, yet they think that they have a ticket to eternity. Let me say something about eternity. It is too long to be wrong. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Why would there not be some suffering in ours? Wake up. Let me, let me just patch you a little bit here, just a little bit. Isn't it amazing that the mindset of the concept is we can be mad at God, but God can't be mad at us? Who's God in that situation? Isn't it amazing it's okay for Jesus to suffer, but it's not okay for us to suffer? Is there the possibility that maybe we have a poor perspective or a poor understanding? Maybe we don't really know what we think we know. Perhaps we don't know enough, and that's why we don't have enough to get through the little we're going through. And the, consider the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Is there the possibility what you're suffering through is what he's using to save you from? As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As all of his epistles, all that he has written, the written word of God, of to wisdom given to him has been written to you. As all his apostles, in all of his apostles, excuse me, epistles, speaking in them these things, which are some things hard to understand. I have, a, I have a, a, an alert for you. Christianity is not easy to understand. Are you with me? Christianity wasn't meant to fit in your comprehension. It's incomprehensible. That's why he gave you faith. And so often we go to our carnality to try to know God and try to serve God, and we neglect what God has given us to bear witness with who God is, is faith. We have a plan and we work out all the plans in our life, but God has plans already set for us. And we try to get somewhere at an end result the same way that God, to the same place God wants us to be, and we try to work ourselves there. It's the same as building a tower and trying to get there in our own strength. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. To get to heaven, you must be born again. Your first birth was a natural birth. Your second birth is a spiritual birth. We need to be spiritually minded. You have to even be careful of contemplative. You must be spiritually minded. Do not let your mind govern your spirituality. Let the spirit govern your mind. Some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. I titled this morning's sermon, Don't Do the Twist. Don't do the twist. Be careful to not twist scripture. Be careful not to twist it to your own liking, your own doing. 
because it might be your own destruction. So if your destruction is connected to misunderstanding or untaught or unlearned Christian comprehension, not knowing it could be also tied to your eternal salvation, knowing the word of God, the importance of knowing the word of God. You therefore, beloved, remember you're being loved. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, it's amazing how you can preach to a congregation, yet the word is meant to go to an individual, each individual. It's amazing how you can read scripture. It's written for the whole world, but yet it's written specifically for you. It's amazing that, that, that as a scripture comes forth, it speaks to a city. It speaks to a, a, an era of people, but yet he says, since you, to you, beloved, you need to take responsibility to have a personal relationship with the word of God. That is my responsibility. It's not my employment. It is not my employment to study the word of God for you. You don't want a hireling. You want somebody who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is anybody with me this morning? You therefore, beloved, not just the preacher, but you, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. Did you hear that? If the word of God is saying, be careful that you fall from your own steadfastness, but yet there's somebody who says you can't fall, they've twisted the scripture. They manipulated the scripture so that you can comprehend it at a lower degree. If you bring it down to your intellect, you have taken God out of his sovereignty. Oh, this is messing with you. I get it. Lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Did you realize, do you realize there is a possibility that you could fall from where you stand right now? Do you realize there's the freedom and the liberty, according to a free will, that you could walk away and be deceived and led in error by the wicked? Did you know that the Bible, I'm bent on this right now. This is, I cannot let go of this. Did you know that Jesus, and it's recorded in the Bible, so the Holy Spirit agreed with it, said that the day is coming that the love of many will grow cold? I want you to look around for this a moment. I'm going to preach tonight about keeping yourself hot keeping yourself on fire. You see, you see, Peter had a little issue. He followed Jesus from a distance and he sat by the fire and warmed himself. It's about dying to yourself and keeping the fire and being baptized in the Holy Ghost and with the fire of God. You need to fan the flame of God. It's your fault, not somebody else's fault if you're not passionate for God. Jesus said the love of many will go cold. I'm trying to look in as many eyeballs as I can right now. It would break my heart to see you grow cold in your love for the word, your love for the things of the spirit, your love for his church, your love for uh, your bride, your love for your children. And listen, it said the day is coming. Mark said a little bit more descriptive than, than Matthew did, but the day is coming that children will literally put their parents to death, will kill them, put them in prison. Friends, we're living in grotesque days. In the state of California this past week, they had arguments, they had wrestling over who has the right of the children. And the school was starting to say that we have the right to tell your children whether they can be transgender or not. You don't have the right. They're trying to take it from parents. Listen to me. It ain't, I'll, I'll tell you, it ain't far from here. How do I know? Because you're dressing like them out there. Those fads... Those personalities from New York, from Paris, from Los Angeles, because you have internet, because you have uh, TVs, and you start to look at us, if you start to form into that. 
If you don't believe me, look how many overalls are in here. That's what we're known for. I'm trying to make you smile a little bit. People will fall away from the truth. They will fall from grace. But it doesn't have to be you. He said, beloved, you have the responsibility that you don't fall away. I want you to know something in this Christianity. You have some responsibility. It's not all my responsibility. It's not all their responsibility. It's not your mama and your daddy's responsibility. You have the ability to respond and be responsible of how you study the word of God and how you know the scripture and your relationship with Jesus. As I said earlier, you can't be drugged. You can't be dragged into this thing. He goes on and he says, being led away with the era of the wicked. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, I'm only 59. And so I have a recollection of, you know, 50 some years of this earth that we live in, this nation that we live in, this Southeast that we live in. And it's more wicked today than it was any day before this in my lifetime. And you need to understand something. Their plan, their ploy is literally to deceive you and lead you away from Jesus. Now, you need to understand something. And, and, and don't get upset with me if I'm passionate to try to lead you to the truth because they're trying to steal you from that. He goes on, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's where you need to have some focus in your life. Is that you need to have some focus in your life that you're growing in grace. Not just you, you had a grace experience, but you're growing in that grace. You need to have uh, the desire that you're not just growing in grace, but that you're building a knowledge, a intimate, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there was a time in my life that my mom would call me Greg. And then there was times in my life she called me Gregory Stephen. And then there was times in my life that they would even say Gregory Stephen DeVries. In other words, they're trying to say DeVrieses don't act like that. How do I know? Because I am one and you're one and you're not going to act like that. We're stopping it right there. When, when Peter puts in here this expression, he said, grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people have a Jesus with no lordship and no anointing. There's so much more. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Grow in a relationship with Jesus. Now we'll do that Bible thing. Say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. And I'm going to be who it says I can be. It was written for me, for my correction, for my direction, for my soon coming resurrection. Oh Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at that scripture, there's a caution that we don't need to twist the scripture. Twist it. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is being tested on, at every turn, every kind of test you could think of. Uh, they're, they're giving him a test. It was kind of, it wasn't his first test. 
don't know why these guys thought they were so coy and so employed, but they wouldn't test, and there wouldn't be a test, and you didn't have to overcome the test if there wasn't even the possibility that Jesus could be led astray. Watch this. In the garden, excuse me, the wilderness, in the wilderness, the devil came and tested him, tested Jesus. So it's an honor to be tested. It's helpful to be tested. A teacher doesn't test you because she wants to prove you she knows more than you and she wants to prove you wrong. She wants to make sure how much you're learning what is right. So what's wrong with being tested? It's making the grade. Have you ever heard the phrase before? Making the grade. And so Jesus is tested in the wilderness. He's tested three times there. Uh, one, he was tested if you're the son of God. It was questioning his relationship. Questions relationship. He said, if you're the son of God, he said, he said, why don't you just turn this stone into bread? Because he knew a weakness in him. He knew something that was going on in his flesh, that he was hungry. So he tried to twist that with him. He said, man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word of God that proceeds from the mouth of God. He said, it is written. He knew the written word of God. Jesus probably could have twisted the word of God, and you and I would have never known it. But he's more trustworthy than that. Second time he was tempted, uh, he was tempted to worship the devil. He said, I'll give you all this. I'll give you popularity. I'll give you big crowds. I'll make you a rock star. Friends, he is the rock star. Listen, okay? Because I haven't met one rock star that can cause a tombstone to roll away and raise from the dead. Come on, somebody. He is the rock of ages. You ought to praise him for just a moment because he is the rock, and he is the bright and morning star. Jesus is the rock of ages and a bright. He is the rock star. There is, and listen, he's Lord of lords. He is rock star of rock stars. He said, uh, no. He said, I wasn't made to worship you. I was created to worship my God. He said, it is written. Stayed with the word. And then he was tempted to be given a high place in the pinnacle, and this is how he responded to the devil. He said, no, he said, I, I'm, I'm not to tempt the Lord my God. I don't test God, God tests me. I, I don't tempt the Lord. He said, and you will not tempt the Lord your God. You know what Jesus is saying? I'm not going to tempt him because that would be twisting things. He said, but I got news for you. You ain't going to tempt me anymore either because I am the Lord your God. No, you need to get this. We don't have this mindset because we want to live here. We want to, let me get that. We want to live here and, and, and be just as long as we're above the concrete, living on an eighth inch of carpet that's held down by some glue. We want to live separate and think that we can get in, though the righteous are scarcely saved, that we just get in there by the skin of our teeth. Jesus didn't ever want you to live low. He wants you to live high. You need to understand, you can get victory over the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of your life. And the enemy would have nothing. If you get the victory over those, he has nothing he can use. That is the origin of all sin. And I know what you're saying now. So now you're preaching sinless. Of course. It's what Jesus preached. Why would I not preach what Jesus preached? The reason you don't want me to preach it, because you don't want to sin less. There's some things you still want to have in your life that he doesn't want in your life. Could be your attitude, could be your personality, could be your appetite, could be your pleasures. I don't know what it is. And if you don't know what it is, trust me, he will let you know. He will let you know.
He's not trying to prove you wrong. He's trying to improve you to be right. That's who he is. We, we can't just keep, keep carrying the baggage of all this stuff and think that we're going to get in to where we need to get into. Come on, somebody. He said, you're not going to tempt me anymore. He said, that's what he said. He said, you will not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus is the Lord God. Wouldn't you like to have that day that you could serve notice to your enemy, to your enemy, you're not going to tempt me anymore. In Mark chapter 12, the Pharisees were asking Jesus. You have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. Remember, come Sunday. The Pharisees says, okay, uh, should we pay our taxes? They thought, we've really got them on this one, right? And Jesus said, anybody have a coin? Flip him a coin, looks at it, and goes, whose inscription is this? That's little Caesar's. That's the pizza guy right there. That's, that's, the, that's the pizza guy, you know. And he said, his inscription, they said, Caesar's. said, tosses it back, said, give Caesar's what Caesar's. There's another time their taxes were due. And Jesus said to Peter, he said, go down. He said, catch a fish in the fish mouth. Then we have to pay our taxes, our taxes. April 15th is not bigger than Jesus, Okay. Although we put more time into what it takes to get that. So Jesus says to them, he says, well, he says, he, when he tossed it back, he said, also remember this. You saw the image who's on the coin that's his. Whose image were you made in? He said, give back to God what is God's. They didn't trick him. Set him up. Not only the Pharisees were there, but the, the Sadducees uh, asked him a question. The, the scribes asked him some questions. We don't have time to go on. The, the scribes are saying, uh, which commandment is the greatest commandment? They're trying to trick Jesus. And then he, he says, to love the Lord your God. You know, he turned around and asked him, he said, which one do you say it is? To love the Lord your God and, and to love your neighbor. You know the commandments there. And he said, you're not too far from the kingdom of heaven. Did you hear that? Yeah. Even answered right. And he said, you're not too far from it. Now you just have to live it. You know it, but you have to live it. See, the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. The one that got me the most was the Sadducees. They questioned a scenario in heaven. You see, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. They believe there is no resurrection. And then they posed him a question about a wife who's married to a brother and, and the brother dies, whose wife does she become? They're dealing with the law and there's a lot in the law about this all the way down to the seventh one and said, whose wife will she be in heaven after they all die? Listen, if you don't believe in the resurrection, there's no need to ask any questions about heaven. Because there's only one way to get to heaven and that's through the resurrection power of God. Isn't it amazing how ignorant we are sometimes? Because our ploy is to diminish and to belittle and to shrink the scripture down to fit where we want it to mean what we want it to mean. Listen. They don't believe in the resurrection, but they're quarreling about life in heaven. Flat out ignorant. Or possibly flat out strong-willed. Definitely very carnal. Whose wife will she be in heaven? Make sure you don't get twisted when it comes to life in heaven. Let me say this to you. 
If someone is living like hell, they most likely aren't heading towards heaven. Why is it so important to be heading towards heaven? Because that is where Jesus went and we're supposed to be following him. Bottom line, I'm sorry, you can't make it out to be another way. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say somewhere, stop following me and stand still and hold your ground because this is what you believe. No, he said, stay following me. And Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father. I'm going to find a church somewhere that believes this kind of stuff. I'm looking for a people who want to follow Jesus, not just be satisfied and set in their own carnal ways. It's not right. Many people are going to be deceived. They're going to be alarmed and shocked. Mark chapter 12, verse 24. This is what I want to get to. Jesus answered and said, does that perk your ears at all? Does it interest you how Jesus would respond to such questions? And then Jesus said, Are you not therefore mistaken? Because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. That's where I want to get to. Jesus said, Are you not mistaken? You got a poor interpretation of what is being said. You have a misunderstanding of the scriptures, what has been written. And notice here the word scripture is a noun. It's a representation of the word of God. Jesus is the word of God, manifested in the flesh, teacher of all good things. And Jesus says, hey, boys, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. Mistaken means to blunder in choice of. Mistaken means to misunderstand the meaning or intention, to misinterpret, to make a wrong judgment of the character or ability of, to identify wrongly. Jesus said, boys, you got it all wrong. And he says, the reason you have it all wrong is you don't know the scriptures, you don't know the word of God, and you don't know the power of God. So let's land there for a moment. Could that not be incredibly helpful for you and I that we would know the scripture and we would know the power of God? Are you mistaken? Is there the possibility that you don't know the scriptures? The scriptures, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's take a look at this. There's many references we could go to and you have that liberty to go to at different times and look these up. Matter of fact, I'm amazed at people who, who, who cannot find answers to God things. I really am. And like, I've never seen that. I've never read that, you know, how to know God and how to read the Bible and what, you know, uh, where, matter of fact, how about this one? I don't know what to read. Isn't it amazing you Google everything else? And then it comes to God stuff. And if you just looked up, majority of people say, start in the book of John. Start in Genesis. Matter of fact, the best place to start are the places that have beginnings, if you're starting. And Genesis is a great place to get a good comprehension and understanding of God. 
So he is addressing them. You've misinterpreted. You don't know. And, and Timothy, Paul is speaking to this young pastor. In verse 10, he says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, the manner of life, the purpose, the faith, the long-suffering, the love, the perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Scottsboro. What persecutions, did you get that? What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now, I don't know about you, but that would make me just want to maybe pull a chair up and go, wait a minute. I lived here. I lived there. Didn't work out there. I moved over here. It's not working here. Gosh. Just so tired. Just so wore out. I mean, life gets that way. And now you have a guy sitting here saying, man, I lived here. I lived there. I was in all these places. I went through afflictions. I went through hardships. I went through all these different things. And the Lord delivered me out of them all. That will make you want to scoot a chair up and go, talk to me. I want to have a conversation because I want the end result that you have. He delivered you out of them all. Because I know a lot of people that, that are saved from, from something, but they're still bound to many things. He said, I'll, I'll deliver you out of them all. I'll set you free. But notice that Paul said something in here. He said he endured. See, we wanted Jesus going to do it all for us. And he did pay all the debt, but he can't live all the life for us. You, you, can't, you can't follow a Jesus who's just going to pick you up and take you. But we have a pick-me-up Jesus. Not a which way do you go, Jesus. Because we've twisted it and misinterpreted. That because he did this, we don't have to do anything. That's not true. Paul said, I endured. Now, why is this so important? I had a conversation with Gretchen this week. And I said, baby, I really believe I really believe more so than, than, than I did yesterday that we're in the end times. These things are happening. Things are getting near. Matter of fact, that morning I went to my Bible and I opened it up and I started reading an account and I'm reading systematically through the book of Mark and I, and I was reading about what they said in Matthew 24 of what it's going to be like. And it said about there'll be earthquakes and famines in various places. And I, was, and I just stopped and I'm like, earthquake, earthquake. And the earthquake just like, boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. I'm playing like head tennis with an earthquake word, you know, and I'm just bouncing back and forth. So I started looking up the word and, and what, you know, happens in the fault line and, and what rocks shift and move and what causes all that. What else could be behind? Is there something I don't know? There's earthquakes. And, and in that afternoon, I heard a news report. Morocco got struck with a 6.8. So what? That's them, right? Whatever. Whatever. It's them. It's not us. We are so selfishly bound. Do we remember what it was like in, in 2011 on April 27th uh, when the tornadoes came and hit and how it just every county in the state of Alabama was hit at one time? Every county had at least one tornado. We can't get numb to this stuff. He does. Yes, he does. We, we need to know that he cares for those who are hurting, those who are wounded. But I realize, wow, that's a strong evidence to me that I'm reading about it, and then one happens that day. But the word that really jumps out to me, and I've believed this for a long time, they that endure till the end will be saved. You can't change my mind on that. He says, those who do the will of God, those who abide in me, he starts telling you who's going to be saved. It's not just those who do ministry and people think they're awesome and they prophesy and they cast out devils and they sing and they do all this kind of stuff. That's, 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 that doesn't impress him. It wouldn't impress him. 
It's they who do the will of God. But here we find endurance. And Paul literally said, to get through all these things, I had to endure. I had to stay with it against hardship and difficulty, conflict, trials and tribulations. I had to stay the course. I couldn't give up. I had to keep pressing on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling, which is found in no other place but Jesus. Your highest calling is Jesus. Relationship with Jesus. Am I in the right church this morning? What persecutions I endured. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I won't even go there. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned. Jesus said, you must continue in the word of God. He said, you must continue the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood, listen up, and from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, Timmy, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Let's stop there for a second. From childhood. Now, I'm going to say a very bold statement. In the, in the, in the, in the issuance of this, it might be controversial to some of you. Every child must have a Christian education. Now, this is where some people, you can go to secular school and have a Christian education. See, some people went straight to your natural mind. He means everybody's got to go to a Christian school or they got, no, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. Why, why do we bow up? Why do we fight against? Why do we, why do we stand up and protect something that we rightfully believe in good? But I'm saying this. If they're going to spend six hours a day in a public school and you're going to give them 60 minutes on a Sunday morning, I'll tell you who's going to win. I will tell you who's going to win. It is, listen to me, mom and dads, grandpas and grandmas, aunts and uncles and next door neighbors who have people that are not saved living next door to you, yet they have children. You ought to do a vacation Bible school this summer in your backyard. You ought to do a winter fest of Jesus this Christmas and tell them about the nativity scene. You need to be educating the younger generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the holy word of God. Every child deserves a Christian education. Every single one of them. And it's our responsibility to give that to them. It's our responsibility to teach them the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus, and more than that, he's more than just one of the prophets. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Son of God. He was born of a... We need to be teaching them Christianity. Timmy knew it from a childhood up. Our children ought to know it from a childhood up. Are you with me? Every child deserves a Christian education. And then they can make their choice whether they love God or don't love God, whether they believe or don't believe, because everybody has their own free will. But if you don't give them any information, they have nothing to base a good decision upon. It's our responsibility. Verse 16. Well, let me, let me back up to 15 for a second. <clears throat> and that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures. Can I say something to you? I love you. He said the holy scriptures. 
There are translations of the Bible that are more accurate than others. And there are translations or paraphrases of the Bible that are not accurate near hardly. Do not let a paraphrase be your teacher. Do not let a paraphrase be your word of God. Do not call a paraphrase of the Bible the Bible because it's not. It's not. I would even say be careful. I'm going to get out in some messy business here. When you select Bibles, I know you may have this. I don't know what man ever thought he could put his name on the Bible and it's his study Bible. You will not find what he found or what she found unless you seek the one who has it. You might have good reference points, but you need the Holy Scriptures. You need time in and with the Word of God. You're saying, my goodness, you're just kind of cutting. I have got to stand before the one who called me. It is a privilege and honor to stand in front of you and to preach the word of God. But ultimately, I preach in the fear of God, of what needs to be said. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he loves us. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So when you read the Bible, you are spending time with the inspiring acts of God. Why do you need somebody else's name on the Bible? It's the holy word of God. Well, it makes it easier, helps me to understand. I'm so happy. I started with the King James. Concupiscence. Concupiscence. I know concupiscence. What's a concupiscence? What kind of animal is that? And then you have to look up the word. Oh, now I know it. It's the animal inside of me. Had to look up words and, and break them down and find out what do they really mean. And then they started to speak to me. You're spending time with the word. You're spending time with God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Doesn't that sound familiar? Every Sunday morning for my correction. For instruction in righteousness. Listen to me. It doesn't just correct you. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're not right. You're not seeing this right. You're mistaken. And then it starts teaching you how to do what is right. You have no, you and I have no excuse at all to not know what is right to do. You shouldn't have to have somebody there telling you all the time, that's not right. This is right. You can't do it this way and you can't do it that way. You have the word of God to teach you in this righteousness. And if righteousness is to be taught and if it's a pathway, it's not something just positional. I'm righteous because he's righteous. No, I need to walk it out in a right way. We ought to become a righteous church. We ought to become a people of righteousness. We ought to hunger and thirst for what is righteous. We should not, listen to me, if you're spending more time with the news medias, you're spending more time with, with publications than you are with the Word of God, you will be more swayed and persuaded by that view. I'm just saying, put the Word of God first. Instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Remember a guy who's, who's gone through all these hardships and afflictions and difficulties, and he said, he said I, I've endured, and, and he's delivered me out of them all. He completed the test. Uh, listen to me. I used to complete tests that had four choices, A, B, C, or all the above. 
And so I would work out some type of thing that made it look like that I wasn't just marking something. And I'd go, well, well sometimes there's got to be two A's in a row. I'd put two A's. I can remember it like it was yesterday, right? I might have completed the test, but what was being tested was still incomplete. You might attend to church. You might sit under the preaching. You might have a Bible. You might have read it, but have you heard it? Uh, you might have completed your assignment, but did the assignment complete what it was trying to teach you? Are you with me? From a child, Christian education. It's our responsibility to train a child in the scriptures. But one cannot teach what one does not know. Look at me, moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas, aunts and uncles and friends. You must be a student of the word of God. You must have a relationship with the word of God. Knock the dust off, whatever you have to do. Flip it through with your thumbs. Make it look like you've used it more and it'll be more useful. Get in the word. Come on, somebody. Until the word gets in you. Wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way? But by taking heed according to this word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Continue in the word. You be my disciples of Dean. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, it is written. It is written. It says it will speak to you. In the beginning was the word. That's right. Not only did he say to know the scriptures, you're mistaken because you don't know the scriptures. He said, you don't know the power of God. You know, we gave an opportunity this morning in the middle of worship. I'm as human as you are. I'm sitting there, standing there, and I'm thinking, oh, if I walk up there and go, here he goes again, you know, and here he, here he goes. Oh, he's going to start to do this. and going to bring him to the altar. All that, I have to work through all that stuff. I have to work through it all. I do. But I have to surrender to what I feel like is him. What I sense is him. And we just prayed last week. I said, this is a house of miracles. We prayed it. We sang it. Sang it again today. You see, a miracle gives God an opportunity to show how powerful he is. But if you don't respond to it, you'll never experience it. But I'm telling you what, you can't take mine away from me. I could let you but I'm not going to. What he's done for me, he did for me. And because of that, I know the power of God. I was driving in today, and I passed up somebody, and I'm not even going to say what the miracle was, but, but I was with that person when that person was there when God did a miracle and raised somebody from the dead. From the dead. Clinically. Doctor came in and said, Outside of a miracle. That's all I had to hear. Story stopped there. Strange thing was, I was driving this way, and they were driving that way. And it just hit my heart. Do you know the power of God? Do you know the power of God? He's willing to make himself known. But Jesus said, you're mistaken because you don't know the scriptures and there's many people who know the scriptures. They search the scriptures and, and they think that they find themselves in there. But then he says, you don't know the scripture because you haven't experienced the power of God. The number one work of the power of God is the conversion of man's heart. Conversion. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. We'll start wrapping this up. Paul again speaking. I thought it was very interesting. Last night, Gretchen and I went over to the J38 campus, and on their walls, they have uh, uh, different uh, themes of the year and apprehended and asked and just different, what's the theme for the year? And I started looking at all of them, and I saw the quotations of the Bible verses where they come out of, and I can remember uh, things associated with each one of them, and, and I started realizing that was Jesus, that was Jesus, that was Paul, that was Paul, that was Jesus, that was Paul and Jesus said what Paul said. They, they both said, Paul's a good one to listen to. Jesus is a great one to listen to. But Paul is, is speaking wise things to Timothy and Ephesus, to the Corinthians. And the Corinthian church is pretty messed up. And he said, I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with the excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. You know, if I saw that guy's testimony, that's all I read is like, okay, we're not inviting him for revision. Let's see if we can find some. But Okay, uh, you're going through your podcast list and your playlist and your preach list, and you're going through like, eh, that one doesn't, it doesn't have good speaking. I don't like listening to that one. I, like, oh, I love it the way this one preached. That's my favorite preacher. Hmm. Until they preach your least favorite scripture. Somebody got that. And I, brethren, came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so what he's saying here is, is yeah, I knew about the crucifixion of Jesus and, and, and I, knew about, I knew about the life of Jesus. And that's all I knew to preach to you was Jesus, those three and a half years in his crucifixion. He said, that's all I knew. He said, I was in weakness, man. I was in fear. I was in much trembling. I almost wonder if he didn't have a battle at that moment because he knew about the Corinthians and he gets his invitation. He's like, oh man, my, my invitation to go preach is to these guys. Like, these guys are messed up. I mean, their moms and children are having relationships with each other. I mean, they're messed up. They're really bad. It's like, well, that's the church. That's the church. You see, God doesn't let us pick what churches to go to. God picks us to send us to certain churches. And there's a very good possibility, the Apostle Paul, because when they get there, it's not like, you know, Hampton in and out. They like camp out. They had to hang out. They would spend time there. Maybe Paul's in the back of his mind. He's going, oh, my goodness. Golly. I know there's going to be a lot of temptation there. There's going to be a lot of confusion there. Maybe he's trembling a little bit thinking, I don't want to backslide. I don't want to backside. I'm sure on the backside mine said, man, you know, you could probably go there and, 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 and get you a hookup. You could probably go there and, and take a big love offering off these people. You could, you, could, you could do this. You don't have to preach this. You could say that, and they'll be good with it. But he chose the fear of God. I said, but he chose the fear of God. You see, there's only the fear of God where there's the fear of man. You'll never be able to discern between the two. And he wanted to preach what was truth. And this is what he says to these guys, the very get-go, right from the start. He says, look, man, he said, I am in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not very persuasive words of human wisdom. He's not trying to preach to the intellect of man. We live in a culture. We live in a culture where man wants to preach to humanity and convince and swoo and, and, and woo people and, and, and keep them happy. I'm not here to keep you happy. That's not what I'm here for. 
We're here to be holy. We're here to be righteous. We're here to be honorable to God. Do you follow what I'm saying? Paul said, my, my, my speech, my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. But in the dim, there there are churches beyond churches, and 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 I, and I hope that I mean I drive by some I, I bless every church I drive by. I don't know what's going on inside of there, but I do know there's places that have no altar calls. I know there's churches who don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know there's churches who don't believe in in healing. I know there's churches who don't believe that you have to be. I know that it, they exist. I know that. That's concerning. It's troubling. From those who, who have godliness, but they deny the power of God. Listen to what the Bible says. Those who, who have the form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. He said, from such, turn away. From such, turn away. I don't know if I'll ever see you again. I don't know that I'll be breathing tomorrow. I have no, I have no promise on that whatsoever. But I want you to know the truth. I want you to know the truth. You do not want to be a part of a powerless church. Because a church that is powerless does not know God. Doesn't know God. Do remember, these are the words of Jesus. He said, man, you guys are mistaken. He said, you're, you're, you're misinterpreting this. You, you've messed this thing up. You don't understand. You have all of your religions that you have built, that you set up, and all of your activities as you go through, but you don't know the power of God. It concerned Paul, concerned Jesus. In verse 5, and this, this is a closing thought here, that your faith, you see, you've been given something. I, and I didn't go to the beginning of Mark. Please hear me. Please hear me. you got to get this. I didn't go to the beginning of Mark. I left it out. I was like, Lord, where does this fit in here? And it said that, that the, the vineyard owner, he left, and Jesus sharing the parable, he left and went away, and he left the vineyard with the people. You see, God left and came away, and he left the earth with you and I. He left your business with you. He left your yard with you. He left your house with you. He left your family with you, with you. It's yours. And he went away. And he said, well, I need to go get some, some rent, if you would. I need to go get some return on this thing. I need to go get a tithe. I don't know what. He said, I'm going to go get something. Jesus gave him a parable. Come down, they're like, we ain't giving you nothing. I ain't giving you nothing. I'm not even going to give you two hours a week. I'm not going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. Matter of fact, he sent some, and the, those would have been the prophets. So they beat them up and sent them away. Spit at them. Shoot them off. And heaven's like, well, what do we do now? And think about that. How many prophetic messages, how many sermons have you have preached, and you just kicked it away? Just shoved it away. How many convictions of the Holy Spirit? You're getting ready to do something, and the Holy Spirit says, you ought not to do that, and you go ahead and do it anyway. Same thing as punching them in the face, spitting at them. And then they said, you know, I, I know what we'll do. We'll send the, the vineyard owner's son. And guess who that is? That's Jesus. We'll send the son because certainly they're not that bad. Certainly they're not that harsh. Certainly they're not that ugly. They'll, they'll, they'll honor him and respect him because we own it. Well, you saw what they did with Jesus. You saw what they did with Jesus. 
that your faith, what are you doing with your faith? Where are we putting our faith? If we're not using our faith, and if our faith is not growing and maturing and producing, it won't be faithful. You and I have responsibility of where we put our faith. You can put it in the wisdom of man, or you can put it in the power of God. You can put it in the scripture, or you can put it into uh, some other type of knowledge or wisdom or whatever make up scientific, scientific uh, what do you call that? Science. Or you could put it in God. I'm not against science. But be careful that you don't elevate the conscience of man above the knowledge of God. I hope this helps you. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, that's a big statement, but sometimes we're more interested in a certain person and not the other. I've said this for years. It's amazing when somebody gets in a, in, a, in a style of preaching, people stand up. Amen, yes, preach it. Nothing wrong with that. But then when they're preaching just a simple truth or a, a broken, simple vessel that doesn't have the personality and the persuasiveness and all that kind of stuff, we just said, this is boring. The truth is never boring. Listen, it might be more exciting to use a sword than it is to shine a sword or to sharpen a sword, but if you don't sharpen and shine it, when you go to use it, it probably won't work. Okay. We serve an omnipotent God. I want to remind you, an all-powerful God. We serve a God who created the heavens and the earth. It's written. We serve a God that is written that he made it rain when there was no rain. We serve a God who split a sea just to set his people free. We serve a God who caused a virgin to give birth and has raised the dead to life. He can make come to life whether it's never been or whether it's already been in his dead. He heals the sick. He delivers the tormented. He feeds thousands and nourishes yet one. He saves us and fills us. And after that, you shall be filled and received with power. Remember to know the power of God. After that which the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. You will have faith and power. I know nothing that that could not move. I don't know what you're bound with, what you're troubled with, what wall you're up against, but if you have faith in the power of God, I got news for you. Like he did for Paul, he's going to deliver you out of it. He's going to get you through it. It's going to come to the other side. You just need to use it and believe it. There is nothing our God cannot do. I'm going to say that one more time. There is nothing our God cannot do. First Thessalonians, as you stand to your feet. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul said this to the Thessalonians. He said, for our gospel. You know what Paul is saying? There's other people who believe like me. He said, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among your sake. In other words, even though you have all that, you still need to be who you're supposed to be. What kind of man, what kind of woman of God are you? He said it didn't just come in preaching, but there is power in the Holy Spirit. Friends, knowing the Scripture and knowing the power of God will protect you, keep you, enable you 
to not be mistaken. When we stand to our feet together. Many people made a prayer earlier to give your life to Jesus. If you made that prayer in just a moment, I ask you to come down here. There's many of us in here today. I preached at a very large gathering of people earlier in the year who were very passionate for worship and praise, very hungry for the preached word of God. Right in the middle of it, I said, how many of y'all do not have a personal quiet time with the Lord on a daily basis with your Bible? I couldn't tell you. Over 50% stood up. There's no need to be embarrassed. There's no need to hide anything. But if you know you need to know the word better, that's going to be your altar call in just a moment. That you're committing to spend more time with the word of God. Perhaps you have doubts and uncertainties, lack of experience, or maybe never given God the opportunity to be all-powerful in your life. And you'd like to know the power of God. I'm in no way saying you're mistaken right now. Jesus said, you're mistaken because you don't know these. All I'm saying to you, you get to know these things. It's a greater chance to not be mistaken. Amen. And when you know the truth, truth sets free. Maybe your freedom is hinged upon this word this morning, this invitation. So any one of those three, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three so you can come out whenever you want. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus or need to give your life to Jesus this morning. Maybe you need to know the scripture. You want to know the word of God better. Perhaps you want to know the power of God. That's your invitation. I invite you to come forward. Any one of those three fits you. Sits your, your personality. They, they fit your need. Where you are right now, come forward. We're going to pray together.
Lord, I ask right now that you'd unravel anything that's twisted, anything that is seen through our own pain and our own hurts and our own troubles and our own failures and deceptions. We all get in those places. And I'm asking this morning that you would untwist us, untwist us. And then I ask you today, Lord Jesus, that you'd untwist the cap, that you'd untwist the wrappings, and that you would open up the Word of God and the power of God to us. I ask that we'd start on a whole new journey, a brand new journey with you of discovering, experiencing, building a relationship with the Word of God and the power of God. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you, Jesus, for not being afraid to address some of the difficult concepts and mindsets that could trouble us or keep us from all that you have for us. And I pray a prayer for you that I pray on a consistent basis. Lord, remove from me anything that could be in the way of everything that you have for me. Won't you pray that with me, Lord? Remove anything that can keep everything that you have for me. I am yours and you are mine. I desire to know your word and I desire to know your power. Lord, I thank you for grace upon grace upon grace in your life this morning. Come on. Just for a moment, let it sink into you. Lord, the commitment we make requires you to be in it. Open up the word. Show it to us. Some might have to make some changes in your lifestyle, in the pattern of your life. Don't be afraid of change. It's part of transformation. It's part of transformation. Don't be afraid of it. Now may the Lord God reveal himself to you. The God of the scriptures, the God who inspired the word of God, the word himself, Jesus Christ the Lord, oh, the Holy Spirit, who reveals the word and releases the power. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you.
The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.